Hi, everyone. Welcome to She Thinks. For today, we are talking about the growing threat to women's sports. I'm your host, Jennifer Braceres from the Independent Women's Law Center. And I am joined today by John Lawn, the editor-in-chief of Swimming World. Hi, John. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Thank you for doing this. Um, so you made news recently with a piece that criticized the NCAA's policy of allowing transgender athletes to compete on women's teams. Um, you wrote in your piece, well, you wrote the piece in response to the controversy surrounding transgender swimmer Leah Thomas, who swims for the University of Pennsylvania. Um, can you just tell our listeners briefly a little bit about Leah Thomas and the surrounding controversy? Okay. So Leah is a member of the women's team at Penn. She formerly competed for three years as a member of the men's team. A little more than a, a year ago, uh, she began her transition and um, has followed the NCAA's policy for uh, hormone suppression, hormone therapy suppression uh, to meet in line to make her eligible to compete as a member of the women's team. Um, in the early stages of this year, specifically early December at the Zippy Invitational, she raced in the 200, 500, and 1650 freestyles and put up just phenomenal times, um, times that suggest that she will scare American records come the NCAA championships. The issue is because she went through male puberty, um, mitigating her, her advantage, her male puberty advantage um, has clearly not happened. And there is a major uneven, there's an uneven playing field now between between Leah Thomas and the biological women against whom she's competing. Yeah, it's interesting. You you wrote in your paper in your piece. You sort of um, analogized it to somebody taking steroids um, mm -hmm. or performance enhancing drugs. And could you just explain a little bit of what you mean by that when you sure. when you say yeah. Yeah, and you know it's it's important that I that I preface this by saying I'm not accusing Leah of of doing anything illicit in terms of, of taking a performance enhancing um, uh, substance, but with her um, background and the fact that she went through male puberty, her testosterone levels are akin to let's say what the East Germans did between the early 1970s, the late 1980s. They took what was called oral terenabol which was an anabolic steroid and it boosted testosterone levels and they won everything, um, you know, at, at European championships, the world championships, the Olympic games and, you know, American athletes, Shirley Babishoff is one, Nancy Hoghead, Hogshead, who has been a very vocal um, supporter of women's rights and in sports. And she, they all face these, these East German athletes. And basically you were stepping up on the block knowing that I'm not just racing an athlete, I'm racing an athlete plus a booster. And, that, mm. and that's where we are today also um, in this Leah Thomas situation. Now, Leah is not doing anything. Leah's following the NCAA protocols right now. Right. The problem is the NCAA protocols are one way off target. They haven't been updated. This is These were based on science 10 years ago. Maybe almost 11 years so, ago. So let, let's talk about that a second, yeah. because um, I've done quite a bit of research on this. And what's fascinating is that different athletic associations have different rules. Mm -hmm. So, for example, at the Olympic level, until right. recently, 
the rule was that you had to, it was four years. Um, mm -hmm. It was four years. At the NCAA level, it's one year of testosterone uh, suppression. Um, and in 19, at least 19 state athletic associations, the rule is just how you identify. No medical transition necessary to compete um, on a women's team. And so the rules are sort of all over the map. The, the Olympic Committee has moved recently. Um, frankly, I think they're just washing their hands of it because they don't want to deal with it. So what they've said is that it's up to the governing bodies of each sport. So now you could find yourself in a situation where the swimming uh, board of governors or you know whatever the association is says, well, you have to suppress testosterone for four years. And the, the running group says, well, no, just one year. And the wrestling group says, well, you don't have to suppress at all. Anybody could wrestle as a woman. Um, and they've just completely washed their hands of it. So why is it, I mean, all of these people, all of these organizations claim they're operating on the basis of science and yet they all have different rules. Right. And you've nailed it right on the head there. I mean, they've all punted. They've all punted on this subject to get it away from them. And so there is no uniform decision. They they do not want to, in my opinion, um, have to get into a conversation that is going to be difficult. Right. Well, the IOC oversees the Olympic Games. Guess what? Difficult decisions are part of the job. Get in there because what's happening now is that the biological women are 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 basically being ignored, um, insulted. Uh, yesterday, for instance, and I'm sorry to jump around a little, but yesterday, for instance, the Ivy League and Penn released right. a statement that said um, there was full support for Leah Thomas competing, and the Ivy League statement to be honest, I thought was very offensive because it said if you did not support her, you were basically being discriminatory and transphobic. And yeah, that I, I have it right here. Can actually. you read that? And then maybe I'll finish up. Can you read that statement? Because I want to finish up one thing about that statement. If yeah, you don't let mind. me see if I can find it. Um, it. It essentially said, I mean, it's just what you were saying that we, you know, we a hundred percent support Leah Thomas. Leah has followed the protocols of the NCAA the Ivy League also endorses those protocols and we stand against transphobia, thus implying that if you don't agree, correct, you you are a transphobe. I mean, that, that was essentially the justice. And, and, and that is what I had the, the most difficult time with yesterday. And, and look, the last month I've dealt with a lot of accusations of being transphobic based on my stance. The fact of the matter is the transgender issue here is separate from the fairness issue. And just because you disagree that a that Leah Thomas should not compete against biological females does not make you transphobic. The the it, it just doesn't go. We Here's I to find her. Let's find a way to get her an opportunity to race and compete, but not against biological women. Well, let, let me challenge you even on that because here's where I think people yeah, are yeah. misunderstanding the argument. Advocates of, of, of Leah Thomas and advocates of male-bodied athletes competing in women's sports keep saying that it's about inclusion. That's what the NCAA says. That's what the Ivy League says. Except elite sports aren't inclusive to anyone. They're exclusive by definition. 
Not everybody makes the team. Not everybody gets a medal. Not everybody gets a scholarship. It's not inclusive. This is not third grade soccer where it's for health and fitness and social, you know, competition. Um, that is not what this is about. That is not what the Olympics are about. That is not what division one sports are about. And so I think that at some point we just have to accept that not everybody gets to swim on the women's team at a division one school. And guess what? I don't get to swim on it either. I'm in my fifties. I'm also a very bad swimmer, but I could be a phenomenal swimmer and I wouldn't be able to swim for Penn because I'm not a student at Penn and I'm too old to be on the, on the team at Penn. So this isn't necessarily about transgender. This is about, is elite sport allowed to be elite and to draw lines and rules? That's really what we're talking about. Am I right? Well, and I also think that if you look at the statements that came yesterday from Penn and, and the Ivy League, it, it, you know, I have three little girls who I want to have an opportunity to, to compete, but they almost abandoned the women's, the members of the women's team then and the members of the, who have earned those scholarships, who have earned their way into elite sport, because let's face it, Division One is elite sport. And so to take a single individual side yesterday I think is backhanded uh, is backhanding the individuals who are yeah. on the team and have earned so, their So place. UPenn is part of the Ivy League and they don't offer yeah. athletic scholarships. I, I actually have two right. daughters. Financial aid packages. Yeah. So I have two daughters that have played division one field hockey in the mm -hmm. Ivy League. Um, and what people don't realize is there's, there's two different things that are happening. One is that if you allow a biological male athlete to compete as a woman, um, you know, they're breaking records at potentially winning events and, and therefore denying those wins to women. But on a team sport like field hockey, that's not, you know, as opposed to, to running or mm -hmm. tennis or skiing or swimming, um, on a team sport with limited rosters, you're denying a space, you're denying a slot in the academic class to a woman. And Title IX was passed to equalize athletic opportunities and educational opportunities generally for women. But what's happening is if, if men are taking up, biological males are taking spots on these teams, that means you have fewer biological females getting those spots, hitting yeah. the field at all. Forget about winning. And Jennifer, can I, can I um, give the, the swimming um equivalent to that swimming is an individual sport in terms of one person into the into the pool swimming a 200 freestyle there's two areas where the leah thomas uh, situation causes causes an issue from team space at the ivy league championships next month uh, they'll be in february there's a roster cap of 18 that penn can bring to the championships so therefore 17 spots really now are available you look at swimming also. And in, how many athletes are swim for them that won't be taken to championships? I believe their roster number is about 40 right now. Okay. Um, the other issue is in Division One swimming, there are five relays. So five relays of four women. Leah Thomas will be on all five relays. That means there are five, there are five relay spots that have been eliminated 
for other Penn athletes to chase. Right. Right. Now, I wonder what kind of pushback you've received since publishing your piece, because you, you alluded to that a little earlier in the conversation, um, that there had been accusations of transphobia or what have you. But what, what have you heard um, from the swimming community, from, from the sports world generally, and, and from parents and students? You know, have you gotten emails? Have people reached yes. out to you? Now, largely, the response has been um, people supportive of the stance saying... Of your sorry, stance. Of my stance saying, I agree, or thank you for advocating for women's sports. Um, it's that, that I would say, not, say 95% probably been that way. The, the loudness that comes from the 5% um, and then throw out the transphobic term, calling, you, calling me a bigot, um, that's the stuff where you can't have a, a dialogue um, to say, well, let can, let's separate this. Let's, let's break this down and parse this out and, and see where this issue is. Um, I know who I am uh, and I, I, I support transgender, LGBTQ rights 100%. Um, I'm looking at this from a, from a fairness, from a women's sports perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting about this is um, the, the progressives are asking for inclusion, but really I think we need to start talking about this in terms of the language of accommodation. Um, because as we said, in elite sport, there is, there isn't, you can't include everybody, but perhaps you can find ways to accommodate people. Correct. Um, and in other words, you know, I, you have to, I go back to having to look at this on a case by case basis. So, you know, if you have a fourth grade travel soccer team, that's all female and you have a child who identifies as female, who's, um, biologically male, maybe the team makes an accommodation for that person. And, you know, maybe the accommodation is they get to play, but they don't get to go to the state championships or whatever it is. They work it out. They work it out with the league. They work it out with the community and they accommodate this person so that they can participate in, you know, the normal life of, of a fourth grader. Um, that is not what people are asking us for at the college level. That is not what Leah Thomas is asking for. Leah Thomas is asking for the right to win. Right. And that to me seems to go too far. Yeah. And, and I'll give you just on a, on a comparison. So Katie Ledecky comes along in 2012. And for anybody who is unaware, Katie Ledecky is the greatest female distance swimmer in history. Uh, she, an argument can also be made that Katie is the greatest female swimmer period in history, prop maybe only trailing Michael Phelps and what he's done as, as a swimmer. Katie put out records there that we didn't believe would be, would be even approached. And now we will head into the NCAA championships in March with the potential of her 500 freestyle American record um, under threat. The same can be said from uh, Missy Franklin's American record in the 200 freestyle. Missy Franklin, again, another um, multi-time Olympic medalist world record holder. And her 200 freestyle record uh, could could be under threat because Leah Thomas's best times um, from her three years on the male program are faster than both records. Six seconds faster in the 500 freestyle, three seconds faster, or I'm sorry, two seconds faster in the 200 freestyle. 
Now, there is some mitigation, but there hasn't been nearly enough. And so if those records go down, now we're looking at iconic records, iconic individuals whose records are not broken by a biological female. That, that doesn't add up. Right. So so what do you think is the solution? I mean, you started off by saying that the NCAA policy um, is not based on current science. Is there another policy that you could get behind or that you think would balance the interests more fairly? Well, right now, the mitigation, because we're in a time pinch now also, because now, now you're looking at January today, I believe January 7th. So you're looking at about two months until NCAA championships. The NCAA is not going to be able to get a mitigation um, policy and in, in replaced and change everything around. I think the one to do now is, and I don't know if they could do this even because they'll probably find a legal battle on the other side, is to give her, give Leah Thomas, give her an opportunity to exhibition swim, to time trial. Um, that's not going to be acceptable probably by her or Penn. Um, but that I mean, right now, would it be, you know, going back to the claim that all these people want is inclusion, right? And to continue doing what they love. Right. Would it not be a fair compromise to say, you know what, you can compete, but but you don't get to take the medal if you win. In other words, go ahead, participate. But 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 the, the female body athlete who comes in first going to get that gold medal or that first place trophy. And you know, maybe you can stand on the podium with that person, but the record books are not going to have Leah Thomas's name. Yeah. And Would I think that satisfy only, people? I don't, I don't know if it will, because there's something unique about touching the wall first. Um, being that athlete who stops the clock, turns, and recognizes that the title is theirs. To touch second, and to touch second by potentially a several-second margin, um, it's it's it won't be as satisfying. It, it'll it doesn't will, feel the same. It does not. Yeah, um, you know this isn't just about Leah Thomas, of course. I mean, this no. is going to start happening more and more as more you know people are more comfortable coming out as trans than they were in in past years. Um, you know, Renee Richards, who was a transgender pioneer, has has said in retrospect, maybe I just shouldn't have competed. Uh, in tennis. I mean, maybe that was the price I had to pay for living as my authentic self. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't hear other people saying that. I don't hear, I don't hear feminist groups coming out and saying that. I don't hear the organized trans community coming out and saying that. Um, why is that such a controversial position? I mean, you're asking for acceptance and most people want to give acceptance, but not if it means that girls and women are going to be excluded and have to stand on the sidelines watching their own sports. Yeah. And, well, you brought up Renee Richards and she's part of the women's sports policy making group with individuals like Martina Navratilova with Nancy Hogshead Makar, who is a four time Olympic medalist, Chrissy Everett. Um, and, the fact that they can, they've worked so hard to get women's sports to where it is. And for someone who has the experience and went through everything like Renee Richards did to speak on this topic and to say, well, this may, this is not right. 
that should carry a lot of weight. Instead, again, the the well, you don't want transgender athletes is is the immediate push from right. the, the trans community. Have you heard anything from um, the Ivy League swimmers themselves? I know there have been reports in the Daily Mail yeah. um, that some of them are uncomfortable and and um, you know not not willing or ready to speak out right now. Have you heard from any of them? Our publication, we've spoken to several parents of athletes. The athletes are are very fearful. They're fearful that if they speak out, even if they speak out anonymously and it's kind of given out. I think I know who that is, that they will face repercussions, not just being labeled uh, as their athletes, but potentially as they pursue employment beyond, uh, beyond graduation. Um, they, th- there's, there's a fear out there of speaking up. Um, for that reason, Erica Brown, who is an, an Olympian for the United States at this past summer's Olympics in Tokyo, you know, she went, went and posted on an Instagram, on her Instagram account that, you know, this is wrong. This is not right for for the biological females to have to race um, against Leah Thomas um, because of the unfair playing ground. So there are a handful, but for the most part, no, they're, everybody's very, very fearful and very um, apprehensive to come forward. Yeah, and I think the more established athletes, the Olympians and the, the retired athletes, uh, particularly those who are women and feminists like Martina Navitarola, and part of the LGB community, they're going to have to be the voice of these girls because um, they're not ready to to come out and speak out against it because of all the societal pressure. And I I really, I hope that Martina and Chris Everett and, you know, these other women um, who frankly don't have as much to lose right now because they're already established and famous and had their careers, um, can really be a voice for these young women because I, I doubt there's a one among them who's happy about what's happening. And I believe they have been, and I believe they're going to continue to be. Um, and it can be something as simple as there, you know, Nancy Hogshead wrote an article recently, I wrote several um, about this issue and just retweeting that, um, pushing pushing that article out into their followers, to their, commu- you know, the, to their communities. Um, but they have to maintain this because you're right. They don't have as much to lose as someone who is currently uh, an active athlete. Right. Now, I know in some upcoming meets, um, the Ivy League has shut down attendance, um, presumably because of COVID and the Omicron spread and all of that. Um but quite possibly also to avoid the negative publicity and the the video footage, which we saw from a previous meet where she absolutely smoked her opponents. Um, Will you at at Swimming World be covering the upcoming events? And if so, how will you have access to that? So we have reached out to the University of Pennsylvania. They have a meet tomorrow that has not been canceled as of right now on Friday. against Dartmouth and Yale, and we have requested a credential, and we have been told now two consecutive days that they are reviewing credential requests. Um, we will have a writer there tomorrow if, if uh, you know, approved, um, but we will we will roll and, um, and adjust as, as is necessary, but we will continue to cover the story without a doubt. Great. Thank you. We look forward to following your coverage and to seeing how all of this unfolds. 
Um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about this. And if anyone out there is interested in learning more about the threat to women's sports, please check out IWF's and IWLC's competition report, um, which you can find on our website, IWF.org. That report contains um, background on the law, the science, um, and the personal stories of women who have had to compete against male-bodied athletes. From all of us at Independent Women's Forum, you're in control. I think, you think, she thinks. <laughs>